What's going on, DMV? How's everybody doing tonight? 106.7 The Fan on your AM, FM dial. We're on the Odyssey app, and we're on the stream at thefandc.com. However you're tuned in tonight, we appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit. I'm Danny Noakes, our guy Vic Ferreira producing the show. We're with you for one more hour. Coming up at the 9 o'clock hour, we will hand it off to Tech Talk Live for a little Virginia Tech football coverage. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. If you have anything, any questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to call in to chat with us, that's the number to call. You can hit us up there. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Danny Noakes. You can also tweet the station at 1067thefan. And hey, if you want... To get used to using the rewind function, here's an exercise in doing just that. We were joined by R.J. Anderson at the top of the 7 o'clock hour for a recap of the World Series. And looking back at Game 5 last night, the tension-filled Game 5, Phillies came to the plate in the bottom of the ninth, down just a run, had a chance to tie it, if not win, and they weren't able to do it. So now Houston with a three games to two lead as the series shifts back to Houston that game, game six, that is, will be tomorrow night. So something to look forward to there. Also, something to look forward to tomorrow, a massive day of college football. We got some really great games. I was doing a count of all of the ranked matchups that we have, and at least by these metrics, which I think are the college football playoff rankings, and I'll get to more on that here in just a second, there are no less than four matchups that feature two ranked teams in them and believe it or not the biggest game is the first one of these ranked matchups and that would be Tennessee and Georgia dogs number three in the country the defending national champions while the Vols ascended to number one earlier this week thanks to the first college football playoff rankings of the season they were released earlier this week And by the way, from here on out, those AP and coaches polls are entirely irrelevant. You'll see ESPN sometimes still use the AP rankings in some of the graphics. Other networks will do it too, and I really don't understand why, because the college football playoff rankings are the only ones that matter. Those are the rankings that determine who gets in to the college football playoff, as well as who goes to New Year's Six Bowls. So... Everything else is irrelevant. And when it comes to postseason college football, teams are just playing bowl games. Most, a lot of which, not most of which, but a a lot of which, a lot of the teams have guys that will skip those bowl games now because of the threat of injury. And, you know, to a certain degree, it's kind of hard to blame those guys that decide to do that. They know that they're going to be playing on Sundays. But can also see the other side of it, you know, not wanting to give up on your guys and playing one more game for your school, right? It just kind of depends on the situation that you're in. It differs from time to time. So let's get a couple of things out of the way here real quick because I've mentioned Virginia Tech. We got Tech Talk Live coming up at 9 o'clock. I'm a Hokie, yes, and that's not fun this year because Virginia Tech is just not very good. Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech is a 1230 kickoff tomorrow. If you're in the DMV area, I'm pretty sure it's going to be on Masson, which means it's been relegated to one of, if not the worst games of the weekend in the ACC. I don't know if anybody out there on Twitter follows the Sickos committee, right? It's something that I didn't actually start following until this year. 
having been aware of them now for the last couple of years. They're just funny. They're a parody college football account where they kind of look for the more ridiculous and sometimes mind-numbing college football happenings, right? They loved that Wake Forest-Virginia Tech game from, I believe it was 2014, that went 0-0 zero to zero at the end of regulation and into overtime, right? That's, that's, that's a sickos game. So they make a list every single week of the worst games in their mind, the best games, but in everybody else's minds, it would be the worst games in college football. And the sickos game of the week is Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech. So if you're not a Hokies fan, you're definitely not going to be watching that one. I want to bring up the Maryland Terrapins, though, because Maryland has themselves a big game this weekend as well. They are on the road at Wisconsin, 12 p.m. kickoff on the Big Ten Network. I actually had the chance to go to Camp Randall Stadium this season, just little over a month ago, as a matter of fact, uh, close closer to two months now. But it was early September, and my girlfriend and I flew out. We went and visited her aunt and uncle who live in the suburbs of Chicago. It was actually my very first trip to Chicago. We walked around the city a little bit on Friday afternoon, went and stayed the night at their place Friday night, woke up Saturday morning, both to the University of Wisconsin, which was only about a two-hour drive from where they lived outside of Chicago. Compare that to driving from Northern Virginia down to, I don't know, somewhere like Blacksburg, which is about four hours away. It's a much quicker drive to get over there to Wisconsin. Just kind of depends on where you're coming from, though, because that's Big Ten country. There's a lot of farms out that way in there. But Beautiful stadium. Camp Randall's a lot of fun. They get loud. It's definitely one of the better venues in college football. But I like Maryland. You know, Wisconsin's got Braylon Allen in the backfield. He is the next stalwart back to come out of Wisconsin, following in the footsteps of Melvin Gordon, uh, as well as Jonathan Taylor, obviously. And you want to go back even further. Ron Dane, of course, was a very good running back for for Wisconsin. But I And it'll be tough for Maryland to go and win this game on the road. That being said, Wisconsin has lost a few games that they should not have lost this season. In fact, the week before we went out there and we saw them play New Mexico State, they put up 60 or something points on them. It was not a football game at all. But the week before, Wisconsin was upset at home by a Washington State team that had no business winning that game. And with a tailback like Braylon Allen, who as a sophomore ran for well over a thousand yards last year and also is off to a a great start this year, um, they should not be as bad as they were. They fired their head coach, Paul Chris, in the middle of the season, who's a Wisconsin alum. I mean, that's unheard of. And now Jim Leonard's the interim head coach, defense coordinator, also a Wisconsin alum. They're playing better, but I think this is a good opportunity for Maryland. It's going to be a very challenging game for Coach Loxley and his team to go on the road and get done, but it is possible. So I know there's a lot of Terps out there listening, and that's definitely a good game to check out. That's Shoot, that'll be a better game. (laughs) It'll be a way better game than Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech. I was about to say, I might watch that Maryland game instead of watching my school compete just because I don't want to watch that train wreck that's going to happen down there in Blacksburg. That's why I have multiple screens up here. I can watch it all. But anyway, the big game of the weekend is number one, Tennessee, and number three, Georgia. Or number one, Georgia, and number two, Tennessee, as you'll see in this article from ESPN. See, this is what I'm talking about. In the rankings that they have for, or on the schedule... It's just a big list of college football games. They have Tennessee ranked one, Georgia ranked three. But then you go to the article, the game preview, and they say Georgia's number one, Tennessee's number two. Why? 
Why, why do we even need to continue to acknowledge the AP and the coaches poll? They don't matter. We only need the college football playoff rankings from here on out. What, what, what's going on there, right? And man, I, I said this earlier today. Tennessee reminds me of the 2019 LSU team. I don't think they're quite that good. Let me start off by also saying that. I don't think they quite have that level of talent because if you'll remember, that 2019 LSU team featured Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde edwards Lair, and Devin White. It was a ridiculous team. And obviously, they went undefeated and went on to win the national championship. It, for my money, it was the best college football team that has played probably in the last 22 years. I'd put, the, I'd put them up against any of those USC teams. I'd put them up against any of the Alabama teams. That's as good a, a good a college football team as you have seen recently. That 2019 LSU team. They were freaky good. And I, 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 see, I see shades of some of that in this Tennessee team for a couple of reasons. One, the quarterback play. Hendon Hooker, former Hokie. Good Lord, that pains me. But it's true. Was very successful, too, at Virginia Tech before he ended up leaving for Tennessee. And it ended up being a darn good decision. And we're happy for him. Trust me, us Hokies are rooting for him. But just north of 2,300 yards on the season, 21 touchdowns through the air, and only one interception that right there is the key only one interception for Hendon Hooker they've been incredibly incredibly efficient and he's been a big reason why now Georgia comes in boasting a very very good defense I mean when you when you look at the yards allowed per game between these two defenses it's almost night and day. I mean, Tennessee's allowing just under 400 yards a game at 393.6. Georgia allowing just 262.6 per game. That's a big, big difference. And right now, both teams are 8-0. Georgia is 5-0 in the SEC. So they've played one more conference game than Tennessee has. This game's going to be played down in Athens as well. Stanford Stadium. Beautiful day, 76 degrees. Doesn't look like there's going to be a cloud in the sky. They'll probably be close to 100,000 people at this game. But Georgia right now, given eight and a half. Nearly double-digit favorites are the Bulldogs in this game. I mean, I know, trust me, if I, I, and maybe I will put some money on this game, you never know. But if that was definitively what I was going to do, I would probably put it on Georgia. I don't know, though. That's a pretty large spread to consider when you look at how well Tennessee has been playing this year but this is certainly their their biggest test of the season so far and that's saying something considering Tennessee has already gone on the road and and beat the Alabama Crimson Tide and or that was actually at home that was not on the road I forgive me for that 52 49 though what an entertaining game that was that was the best college football of of the season so far maybe this Tennessee Georgia game will top it the good news for the Vols is Once they get through Georgia, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vandy is all they have left. And those are certainly going to be three games that they'll be very heavily favored in. You can never, especially in college football, just write a game off and assume that it's going to be a win. But those are are certainly bottom of the, the barrel SEC teams that you're talking about. The rest of the way, though, for Georgia looks even better. Because after they get through this game against number number one, Tennessee, you get Mississippi State, 
But you have to go on the road for that Mississippi State game as well as their next game at Kentucky. And that might be the game, actually, Kentucky, where Georgia's got to be careful of slipping up. Kentucky has spent some time in the top 25 this year. They're a decent football team. And going on the road in the SEC is is never going to be something that's particularly easy to do. Georgia will wrap up the season playing the Georgia Tech team that we just got done kind of railing on a little bit because they're about to play Virginia Tech in, in what is sure to be not the most entertaining game of the college football slate this season, but that's what the rest of the seasons look for each of those teams. Number one, Tennessee. Number three, Georgia. That's a 3.30 kickoff on CBS. We'll hear that iconic SEC on CBS music to lead us into what will be the game of the week. Other big games across the country, though, come a little bit later on in the evening. Number six, Alabama at number 10, LSU. LSU has got off to an interesting start this season under new head coach Brian Kelly. Crimson Tide roll into this game with a 7-1 overall record, 4-1 in the SEC. We mentioned their only loss being to the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, LSU also has a loss to Tennessee, a decisive one at that, 40-13. But LSU opened the season by losing by a point to the Florida State Seminoles. Captain Todd's Florida State Seminoles, by the way. I know Captain Todd's out there in Houston listening to us, so appreciate you there, buddy. But LSU is a team that, after that, you kind of would have expected that they, they might fall off under a first-year head coach, but they have rebounded, and now at 6-2, and two, they'll be hosting Alabama to try and uh, try and get back on track there. Other big games across the country, number four, Clemson. They're undefeated. They've got the five and three Notre Dame fighting Irish. This is normally a bigger game than, uh, than it is this season. And that's because Notre Dame just isn't quite as good as they normally are. They've been hit by the injury bug big time. They are missing their starting quarterback for the rest of the season, as well as some other guys. They're just not expected to, to do a whole lot. And, and that, that week one matchup with Ohio State, I thought, you know, it was a it was a pretty well, pretty close game, but I just they 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 didn't quite have enough juice, and and then losing your starting quarterback, that's obviously going to take a pretty big toll on you. Clemson, Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina to finish out their season behind Notre Dame. Why do I bring that up? Because, well, they're the team that the only team from the ACC that's going to have any sort of chance at making the college football playoff and if they trip up along the way they are not going to get in not with the strength of the sec and the big 10 this year i wouldn't think another game that features two ranked teams number 21 wake forest number 22 nc state i like watching wake forest play i'm a a sam hartman fan i like him I, he's a, a good story too, uh, overcoming some some medical issues from this uh, for actually from earlier this season. I think Hartman's a really good quarterback, and and the job that Dave Clawson has done down there at Wake Forest is is very impressive. Wake Forest still only two and two in the ACC, as is NC State, and NC State. If you were watching the Virginia Tech NC State game last week, the Wolfpack should have absolutely lost that game. Tech was up. 21 to 3. Actually, those 21 points too came in an absolute flurry. It evaporated in under 10 minutes of game time, and NC State won 22 to 21. And that was another heartbreaker. And then the final game that features two ranked teams number 24, Texas, number 13, Kansas State, out there in the Big 12. 
it's really tough to, to gauge this Texas team. You know, they had Alabama on the ropes earlier in the season. Still just 3-2, and two, though, in the Big 12. Kansas State comes into this game at 6-2, and 4-1 and one in the Big 12. They've got a. They've had a, a very good season from their tailback at Kansas State. Vaughn, 902 yards for five touchdowns. He's been pretty darn good on the ground there for the Wildcats. They'll host that game, but Texas rolls in as road favorites. Minus two and a half the spread, what I'm looking at for that Texas game. So let's do this. We'll step aside. We'll take a quick break. You have any thoughts on the college football weekend? 800-636-1067. Just up against the break here. So we'll get some of your calls when we come back. You're listening to 1067 The Fan. We're with you for another three segments, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to get those calls in, now is the time to do it. 800-636-1067. That's the MGM National Harbor listener line. Just got done talking some college football. But there's one game that I did not mention in this breakdown of the college football weekend that we've got coming up. And there are at least four games that feature a couple of ranked teams. And there's another game on Saturday night on ABC that features two classic brands from the ACC. Well, actually, one of the teams was for a long time in the Big East, and it's Florida State at Miami, 730 kickoff on ABC. And I want to go over to the phones at 800-636-1067 because our guy Captain Todd is on the line. And I kept him waiting through the break, and I apologize for that. Todd so thanks for calling in tonight man how you doing I'm doing good man no problem at all no problem at all I uh I was calling because I I did not hear you mention my uh Florida State Seminoles so just wanted to make sure you were getting to every single game there buddy you're right you're right hey and I like it but neither of those teams are ranked right now but I like the season that Florida State's had they they went through a really rough stretch there playing Wake Forest NC State and Clemson back to back to back but they've won all the games that they've supposed to have been supposed to have won so far not to mention a win over LSU this season you like head coach Mike Norvell what do you think of him uh, I was skeptical last year, um, but he's growing on me this year. And I was actually at the game this past Saturday. Oh yeah, uh, against Georgia Tech. Um, Georgia Tech is bad. They, they are really, <laughs> really bad, man. I mean, it was it was kind of brutal watching their quarterbacks just try to get anything completed. It was it was pretty pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, Todd, you're giving me some faith for my Hokies that that play this Virginia Te- or that this Georgia Tech team tomorrow afternoon 12:30. If the Hokies have anything going for them, it's their defense. So, maybe they can pick this quarterback off a couple of times, turn him over. <laughs> I I think you guys do have a shot. I mean, they didn't look like they belonged in the ACC during that game. I mean, yeah. it was it was a snoozer. It was like, hey, I'm almost out of beer. Should I go? Oh, sure. It doesn't matter because you're not going to miss anything. Right. You know, I, was on offense. Yep. I, I, I've definitely, I, I've been to a few of those games in, in my time, man. Well, Todd, thanks for calling in, man. We'll, we'll catch up again soon. Appreciate you listening all the way out there in Houston. Hey, are you, are you going to any of the World Series games? Uh, no, you know what? I actually just got here today. I'm starting a brand new job at NASA on Monday, and uh, oh. I just drove here from Tallahassee this morning. I left at 5 a.m. Wow, uh, man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I got into my new apartment, sat down, and was like, I'm going to flip on and uh, see if Danny Noakes is on the airwaves. And I was lucky enough to hear you, and I uh, figured I'd just say hi, man. You were too kind, Captain Todd. Appreciate you, buddy. Hit us up again Thanks, soon, buddy. all right, man? 
Yes, sir. That's you got it. That's our guy, Captain Todd. Always a loyal listener, not just for me. And and he he's always kind enough to to reach out and let us know when he's listening. But uh, I actually I I believe I heard him on uh, one of the midday shows earlier this week. It, it might have been Grant Danny. It might have been B Mitch and Finley. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, and and Todd actually he he tweeted at me a little bit earlier in the show asking where would this team be without Terry McLaurin, referring to the 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 Commanders when we were. Talking talking about exactly everything that, that's gone on with that team and, and the quarterback switch, which is exactly where I wanted to go with our next segment, the quarterback switch, going from Carson Wentz to Taylor Heineke. But here's what I want to do to make sure that we stay on pace and stay on time with only a couple of segments left. I, I want to break again right here and we'll come back just after 830. And when we come back, that's when I want to start to discuss why Carson Wentz shouldn't be taking another snap for the Washington Commanders this season. So stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Just under 30 minutes to go in tonight's program. Thanks for being with us on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Danny Noakes, Vic Ferreira in studio producing the show. Remember, coming up at 9 o'clock, Tech Talk Live from Blacksburg, show that was recorded earlier this week, but you'll get a preview of not only the Virginia Tech game against Georgia Tech, which is a 12-30 kickoff tomorrow, but the Hokies tip off their basketball season coming up on Monday as well. The reigning ACC tournament champion, Virginia Tech Hokies. That is bizarre to say. What a run that was. Heck of a lot of fun. And a big day of college football tomorrow, followed by big day of NFL football on Sunday and for the Washington Commanders it's a big matchup against a 6 and 1 Minnesota Vikings team that has rattled off several wins in a row since losing their only game of the season to the Philadelphia Eagles they look good right now homecoming for Kirk Cousins and head coach Kevin O'Connell so Carson Wentz was the starting quarterback for the Commanders when this season got going. Taylor Heineke is the starter now. And my belief is that Carson Wentz shouldn't be taking another meaningful snap for the Washington Commanders this season. And Wentz is scheduled to miss his third straight game. Since he's on IR, he'll have to sit out at least four of those games total. But his timetable, when it was first forecasted the injury that he's recovering from one of his fingers it was said to be more like four to six weeks and unless i'm mistaken or unless i missed something we haven't really heard much in terms of updates so i'm gonna guess that wentz's recovery will be closer to that six week timetable but Obviously, Carson actually had some decent numbers while he was the starter for the Commanders this year. He was near the top of the league in passing touchdowns and passing yards, but it only resulted in two wins, a two and four start after he finished off that win over Chicago. And Chicago's actually been playing better recently, but that game against Washington was sort of the last straw, I think, with their frustration and you know, they traded away Roquan Smith, right? They just gave him to the Baltimore Ravens. So it doesn't seem, but they also acquired Chase Claypool this week in right before the trade deadline. So it's not like they're tanking per se, but uh, I do think that their play has improved with Justin Fields, at quarterback there. Uh, David Montgomery's stock is going down though, as Khalil Herbert gets more and more reps. The former Virginia Tech Hokie Khalil Herbert, by the way, Herbert, every time he touches the ball, uh, pretty much proves that he is a force to be reckoned with, despite being a late-round pick for the Chicago Bears a couple of years ago. But 
I digress there on Chicago because the conversation here is about the commanders and Taylor Heineke taking over for Carson Wentz after that Bears game. And Heineke has since come in and won each of his first two starts. That equals the number of wins that Carson Wentz has had this season in a third of the time. Now I know, and it's a decent point, Washington played a couple of not-so-good teams here in Heine's starts with Green Bay. Now, Green Bay as a team might not be very good, but he did go, at least from a quarterback matchup standpoint, head-to-head with Aaron Rodgers and won. So... Green Bay, though, can't get out of their own way. I've already actually made a reference to that earlier in the show. And then Indianapolis, obviously, this past weekend, they're just bad this year. I mean, even Jonathan Taylor, who's battling injuries, he's having a bad year. I mean, he fumbled in that game against the Commanders. They were seemingly afraid to give him the ball. They've already bailed on Matt Ryan and said, okay, he's not going to take another snap this year. Here you go, Sam Ellinger. You take a you take a go at it. Um and I think that's hilarious, one, because Jim Ursay, the owner for the Indianapolis Colts, who we all owe a debt of gratitude if this sale of the commanders actually does happen, because he was the first person that I know, the first owner in the National Football League that came out and said, uh, yeah, there is definitely some credence and uh, uh, an opportunity here to outstand Snyder. There's, there's definitely... there's." enough evidence to to do just that right but he this offseason ursay was very critical even after carson wentz was already moved here to dc traded he was still talking about carson wentz and how bad he was at the end of the season so the guy that you replaced him with though ursay was much much worse (laughs) at least at this point in his career carson wentz had you within a game of going to the playoffs you're not even going to whiff the playoffs this year now there's clearly a different energy around this team when Taylor Heineke is the starting quarterback. They believe in him in a way that this team hasn't believed in a quarterback since Kirk Cousins was here, right? I don't think they disliked Carson Wentz, but they're rallying around Taylor. They did this in 2020. I mean, how else do you put it? He, he's got it factor, you know, and he's not perfect. It's not like he's going up there and he's lighting it up every single week with ridiculous statistics. No, it's, it's actually quite the opposite. He's a grinder. He extends plays. He's gritty. And he's tough. And he, he delivers big plays in big moments. He's limited as a passer, sure. No question. Those accuracy issues show up sometimes. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He makes some bad decisions from time to time, for sure. But you look at his added dimension as a mobile quarterback, combined with his big playability, and he'll chuck it downfield. That's clearly been something he's not afraid to do when you look at some of the big plays that he and Terry McLaurin have produced. The fact is, though, the guys just love him. And on top of the fact that they're winning games, that's enough for me to say that Taylor Heineke should be the starter for the rest of the season. Uh, that would be probably enough for me alone. Your, your team being entirely behind one particular guy that's playing quarterback. But here is the business side and the equally as important side to why Carson Wentz should not be taking another snap here in D.C. this year. All right. If Carson Wentz plays 70 percent of the commander's snaps this season, one of those third round picks that the commanders gave up to get him will turn in to a second round pick. And that's a big difference. 
Giving up draft picks is a big deal no matter what. No matter what round it ends up being. But going from a third to a second rounder is a really big deal. So Taylor has already won as many games as Carson Wentz has this season in a third of the time. There's really no decision to be made at all here. I mean, they'd be dumb to put Wentz back out there for any other reason than an injury, God forbid, or mop-up duty. I mean, Wentz is is clearly going to be out for a few more weeks. So if we're playing hypotheticals here, right, if when that time is up, Carson Wentz's recovery time, he comes back, he's ready to go, and you find yourselves in a spot where you could get into the playoffs, and right now... The Commanders at 4-4 four and four look a heck of a lot better than they did at 2-4 and four at the end of the last game that Carson Wentz started. Well, that would be more because of Taylor Heineke, not Carson Wentz. And if that's the case, well, why would you change your quarterback when it's been Heineke that's put you back in a position where you're competing for a playoff spot? It just really wouldn't make sense. And I don't think there's anyone out there that would disagree with me either. But there's still trying to, it seems like, behind the scenes, figure out what exactly they're, they're going to do when Carson Wentz does end up being healthy enough to come back. Maybe they're not having that conversation, but, you know, with coaching staffs, they like to explore all options. When it comes to Wentz, though, another caveat to why you shouldn't start him again, you can get out of his contract after the end of the season with little to no penalty. You know, there's been a lot of talk leading into the season, all off season, about Carson Wentz's contract and what the commanders took on to bring him here to DC. He's got a big, big contract, but they can get out of it after this year, again, with very little to no penalty. And so you look at that, You look at the fact that Taylor Heineke is playing winning football, better football. The team is is playing better as a whole since Taylor Heineke became the starting quarterback. And, And I am of the belief that wins are not only a quarterback stat, right? That's football is too complex a game for, for that to be true. Quarterback's the most important position on the field, but that doesn't mean that the wins and losses are on the backs only of the quarterback. I, that, that's just something, a mentality that, that seems to get brought up very often nowadays. And I, I know how important it is, but I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, that's how it goes when it comes to commanders. So Brian Robinson came back a couple of weeks ago, right? The triumphant return of, of commanders running back Brian Robinson. And, you know, he's been brought into the fold. He's the one-two punch with Antonio Gibson. Now, J.D. McKissick is getting much, much less work, which it kind of stinks because I I like J.D. McKissick and I think that he's a good weapon to use, but you you can't not use Brian Robinson and and Antonio Gibson because those are your two best backs. And they've they've formed a pretty good one-two punch. There was more good news for the commanders and, and specifically Brian Robinson earlier this week when there was a teenager arrested that's not the the good part 17 year old but that was the person that shot brian robinson as it turned out and 
obviously the fact that they were able to track down the person that that shot him is incredibly great. I'm sure it it provides some closure for Brian Robinson. I'm also sure that it's something he'll probably always, I mean, literally and figuratively be scarred by, right? How could it not be being, I I can only imagine what, what the experience of being shot is like. I mean, that's ridiculous, especially I think it was in broad daylight and on a, on a relatively busy street in Washington, DC. So very, very, uh, very crazy story when, when that all happened. But, um, Nikki Javala from the Washington post also tweeting this out. It's an article. I wish I had a little bit more time to dive into this, but I'm going to reference this article that you can go read at the Washington post.com. If you want, remember the 17 year old that was charged in the shooting of, of Brian Robinson. He was previously charged with murder in a shooting at a Prince George's County mall, but was later released for lack of evidence. Uh, And this is from, I have to, it was tweeted out by Nikki Javala, but, uh, Emily Davies is actually the author of this article that you can read on the WashingtonPost.com, which goes into more detail about the 17 year old that they arrested who shot Brian Robinson. He was previously charged with murder in a shooting at a PG County mall, but was later released for lack of evidence. So there's more and more coming out about that and just kind of something to get more information on and, and get closure on because I, you know, obviously Brian Robinson was looking for that, but um, with it being so random and that whole thing, obviously something just to be aware of. Anyway, let's do this. Let's step aside. We'll take another quick break. It'll be our final break of the evening. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the show and we'll do it by talking a little Washington Capitals hockey, looking forward to their matchup tomorrow night. So keep it locked. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Wrapping up the show here on a Friday evening. Glad you're with us on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Danny Noakes, Vic Ferreira here producing the show. We've got a little under 10 minutes to go before we send you off to the rest of your Friday evening, your weekend, and Tech Talk Live coming up next. College football tomorrow, a World Series game, not to mention a full slate of NFL action on Sunday that includes a Commanders and Vikings matchup. It's going to be a good weekend, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another game that you have the opportunity to look forward to is tomorrow night between the Washington Capitals and the Coyotes out in Arizona. Actually, this game going to be here in Washington, D.C. at Capital One Arena where they are currently playing a game between the Washington Wizards and the Brooklyn Nets, but we're talking caps right now because we haven't had the chance to do so just yet in tonight's show, and for the caps, it's been kind of a rough stretch this week, having three straight losses, one on the road at the Carolina Hurricanes before dropping that game Tuesday to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and the Detroit Red Wings being the most recent team to get a win over the caps by a score of 3-1. to one. Right now in the Metropolitan Division, Washington sits towards the bottom, just ahead of Pittsburgh, believe it or not, with 12 points. They're 5-5 five and five on the year, two overtime losses. So there's a lot of work to be done for, for this Washington Capitals team, but just as was the case before the season started, the Capitals are dealing with injuries, and... What's frustrating is there were a couple of, not a couple, there were three guys that were sent to injured reserve Wednesday as the Capitals announced a series of roster moves that have 
necessitated by their growing number of early season injuries. And among those attendees to the injured reserve list are TJ Oshie who has dealt with several different injuries already throughout the early portion of this season, got hurt in preseason, came back, looked okay, then got hurt again, and now onto the IR he goes. John Carlson, also the defenseman, another big loss for Washington, who's going to be heading to injured reserve along with Beck Malinston. So it's just a frustrating time right now for the Caps, who are trying to overcome all of this, right, Still plenty of talent on the roster and and still guys that that can get the job done. And they're certainly not making any excuses for that. You know, there was some questions asked earlier this week about overcoming all of these injuries. And they were talking about head coach Peter Laviolette talking about how they're kind of getting used to all of the injuries and, and just having to have that next man up mentality, right? Every team has to have it, but it's something completely different when you look at the the just absolute ridiculous list of injuries that the Capitals are dealing with this season. Now, I mentioned all the guys that have gone to IR. I didn't even mention Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom, who probably going to be a pretty long time before we see either of those guys. Tom Wilson is is not even a year removed from his torn ACL that I believe happened last December. And and Nicholas Backstrom is is recovering from an injury that's also going to take an extended period of time to recover from. So, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of Alex Ovechkin right now, a lot of Kuzi, Samantha, and the good news for Alex Ovechkin, and this was the only good news for the Capitals this week because three straight losses, more guys going to the injured reserve. Well, in the game against the Detroit Red Wings, Ovi tied Gordie Howe for the most goals scored for one NHL team. Fittingly, reaching that milestone in the same city that the man known as Mr. Hockey would become an all-time great. Yes, in Detroit, where Gordie Howe played. So, 37 years old, and in the second period of that game against the Red Wings, Alex Ovechkin notched his 786th goal, but ultimately, Ovechkin and the Caps would lose that game. Now, we're all following this chase of Wayne Gretzky, to see if Alex Ovechkin can get to that point. Obviously, it's not going to happen this season, but Ovi very much on pace. If he continues his 50-goal seasons that, that he has been sort of expected to have as a member of the Washington Capitals, it seems, for his entire tenure. And at 37 years old now, he's he's been a cap for quite some time. But... You know, Ovechkin wants to win. Ovechkin wants another Stanley Cup. You guys saw how he celebrated winning the Stanley Cup in, in 2018. He, want, he wants to win it all. And, and Gordie Howe, to pass somebody like that is, is an extremely major accomplishment, right? Played for the Red Wings from 1946 to 1971. And Ovi's milestone was scored on the same end of the rink that Gordie Howe and his number nine retired jersey hangs in the rafters. So... You know, it's it, there were a lot of um, I don't know. There were just a lot of layers to that actually happening. And and Gordy Howe retired with 801 goals uh, for his career. So Ovi, who we just said is at 786, is likely to pass Gordy Howe on that all-time list at some point this season. I'm knocking on wood a little bit because you know, we want the health to, to remain there for Ovi this season, especially at his advanced age. And they just need him and his offensive prowess because 
the Capitals have enough injuries at this point, right? And Wayne Gretzky, of course, a league record 894 goals. That's also the number that, that Alex Ovechkin is chasing. So hopefully Capitals tomorrow night, home game against the Arizona Coyotes, they can get back on track. But that's just about going to do it for us here this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you tuning in. I want to send a big thank you to RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage for joining us in the 7 o'clock hour. Gave us some great insight on the World Series. We've got Game 6 coming up from Houston tomorrow night. Astros trying to close out the Philadelphia Phillies. Shout out to Chris who called in. Captain Todd also especially who called in and, and just got a new job. Moved out to Houston with NASA. Congratulations again, Todd. And and by the way, Vic Ferreira, my producer today. Big shout out to him. Appreciate all of his hard work. Captain Todd also wanted to give a shout out to you, Vic, and, and the great work that you've done this evening. Uh, he says, love that guy. So so uh, take that with you for the rest of the weekend, my friend, and, and hope you guys all have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Enjoy all of the great games that we have coming, a full slate of college football. You've got World Series action. And now that we're getting off the air, you can you can go and watch the Wizards game now. If, if, you, if you didn't have it on already and, and had us turned up over the play-by-play, right? No, that's all good. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tech Talk Live is coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. Thanks again to my producer, Vic Ferreira. Everybody have a great weekend. Talk to you again soon. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and be well. I'm out of here. Deuces.